Hi, I'm Mark, I'm your other host, and this week we are going to be talking about energy and psychic vampirism. So, Leslie, would you like to give us a, a sort of definition of what we mean by an energy vampire or a psychic vampire? So, psychic vampire or an energy vampire is basically a person or a creature who sometimes, intentionally or not, drains your emotional energy. They feed on your willingness to listen and care for them, um, leaving you exhausted and overwhelmed. They could be anyone. They could be a neighbour, a spouse, a best friend, someone you work with, or just someone you meet at a party. That's my definition of an energy vampire. I think that would be pretty much spot on. And I think normally when people think about energy vampires, they might specifically think a human. But... I like that you said a creature because that kind of leads me into my first point of research. So I decided to try and find the oldest energy vampire myth that I could. Um, one of the oldest that I found that I thought was quite interesting um, came from ancient, sorry, from the the ancient Japanese folktale, the cat of Nebashima. So in this story, the prince of this kingdom, who's uh, Prince Haizen, starts dating a beautiful young woman that he meets. And the longer and longer they date, the weaker and weaker the prince becomes. And he becomes so weak that it seems as though he's going to die. So everyone in the kingdom is really worried and all those friends are really worried because, well, they think that's that's it. They don't know why he's dying and he's going to die. And one of his knights, his bravest knight, who is called Ito Soda, vowed to watch over the prince. So he said, well, it seems that every morning when he wakes up, he has less and less energy. So I will watch over him as he sleeps and see if there's anything happening to him. So he hid in the shadows in the prince's room, and as the prince slept, a cat snuck into the room. And the cat sat on the prince's throat and began to suck out his energy through his mouth. Slaggy cat. And Ito Soda emerged from the shadows, and the cat saw, and this is a quote from the story because I quite like this, the cat saw the vigilance within his eyes, and at that point, she was rendered powerless. Ooh. I know. Now, rather than the woman that the prince was dating, having the power to turn into a cat, it turns out in the story that the cat was the energy vampire and the cat was so old that it had developed the power to turn into a beautiful woman. And after being discovered that his girlfriend was actually a cat that was just disguising herself as a woman so she could drain his energy by kissing him during the day and then turning back into a cat at night and sneaking into his bedroom, she fled into the hills to never return. So. I've got a second tale from Japan as well that kind of relates, but I was wondering what your thoughts were on that story and whether or not you'd heard that myth before I move on. 
Well, it's funny you should mention that. While you were talking about a sort of beautiful woman that's actually a cat, I, I don't know if you ever watched this on Netflix. There's a like, series of short sort of animation films called Love, Sex and Robots or Love, Love Death and Robots or something like that. No, I've watched it. No. And I highly recommend it. And there's um there's one sort of short film where it's a, a sort of like a samurai guy or a Japanese guy or um who meets this oh no he lives in a village and he's he's basically warned of these sort of panther kind of cat creatures that are also women that prey on them. But he catches one of these cats and then he falls in love with the woman who becomes a cat and then. It's on somehow, I, I don't know, I can't remember, but it's somehow in the future he sort of modifies her so that she can't become a cat again. So it's sort of like she doesn't have any power anymore. So she's like depressed because she can't be what she is. I can't. Yeah, that's horrible. If he loves her, why would he take her powers away? I don't know, to have power over her. Mm. No power anymore. It's a power play thing. I'd need to watch it again, but it kind of reminds me of that story. So I think that maybe comes from that myth because it, it was obviously set in Japan and all the, the sort of cats in it were females. I think it's quite interesting as I sort of move on to the, the second tale. And I think everything that we're going to look at, there does seem to be, not that there aren't male energy vampires, but it does seem to be quite a lot of focus on women. And again, that sort of idea of like not allowing women to have power, which is awful and sexist and bad. So the second story that I looked at, which I think you might have heard of, uh, is the Japanese folk tales of the Kitsune. Have you heard of them? I've heard of a Kitsune, but that's only because of a computer game. Well, that's what I was going to say. That <laughs> um, It's a type of energy vampire, and it's very similar to the cat, but also um, two of the most famous Kitsune that I'm aware of are the Pokemon Vulpix and Ninetales. <laughs> so, a Pokemon? Yeah. So, Please expand on that. Cause... Um, well, the act in the Pokemon games and in the Pokemon cards and the Pokemon cartoon and so on and so on, um, anime, sorry, they don't massively expand on the idea of them being Kitsune. And I think that Ninetales is presented as quite mysterious, but Vulpix is kind of just presented as quite cute and innocent, which in some ways, I suppose, the stories seem to have them having different personalities. So that could be the case. But yeah, I... What do the Katsune look like? Or the Pokemon ones? Because I'm not I'm not that much of a nerd. Like, although I did download um, Pokemon Go and I, like, I played with it for like maybe a couple of months and then got bored when you had to pay for more Pokeballs, which I think shit. So, um... I, I didn't have time to catch them all, basically. Can you describe <laughs> these Pokemon? Um, so, Vulpix is a, like, cute little fox cub, um, and it has kind of highlights in its fur that look almost flame-like, and it's got, I think it's got three tails. And then a nine tails is a huge white fox that can spit fire and, as is implied by its name, has nine tails. What did the... Uh, Kitsune and the game that you were playing look like? A wolf. Did it have more than one tail? I don't know because I've never played that. I've only ever seen people just talk about how beautiful it is. Like it's a gorgeous game. Like the way that the graphics are rendered. <laughs> That's like um, a sort of painting. Um, but I've never played it because I prefer just games that you just go around shooting people and stabbing them in the face. 
I'm much more into games where you wander around and look at stuff, which is basically the same as going outside, which is odd. Um, so the Kitsune in your game, if you knew how many tails it had, you would be able okay. to tell how okay. old it is. So I'll tell you the, the myth of the Kitsune, and that should sort of answer that question. So right. a Kitsune, again, isn't a person, although they can appear as a person. It's any fox who has lived for over 50 years. So in Japanese myth, they believe that at 50, foxes gain the following supernatural abilities. Ability one, shapeshifting. So they usually gain the ability to shapeshift into a singular thing. So this is normally either a beautiful woman, occasionally it's a beautiful man, and also occasionally, which quite entertained me, it's a beautiful object. So some of them might be able to just turn into like a really pretty pot. I mean, that cares for everybody's sexual needs, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter what you're into. There's a kitsune yeah. for you. Because you get people who fancy Ferris wheels and want to marry them and like inanimate objects they're in love with. So, again, there's more than equivalents. <laughs> I suppose that woman that was in love with the Eiffel Tower, did you see that documentary about her? I didn't, but I, really, I, I wish I'd, I had. Oh, I mean, I would strongly recommend that. It's Okay. insanely brilliant but she's in love with the Eiffel Tower but yeah I suppose if a Kitsune wanted to seduce her it could just turn into the Eiffel Tower so <laughs> makes sense yeah and the second power that they gain which ties in with the Pokemon idea is that they can spit fire or they can breathe fire and the third power that they gain is that they're able to enter and manipulate your dreams so they're basically like cute little Freddy Kruegers See, I read that as well. I did when I was looking into the psychic vampires thing about the sort of mythological creatures and psychic vampires. They mentioned dream demons, and that made me think of Freddy Krueger. So is Freddy Krueger some sort of psychic vampire? But he can actually kill you. Um, but then you could kill people um, as a psychic vampire. You could drain so much energy from someone that it puts you in a coma that you might never wake up from. Um, or and, and also there was like black-eyed kids or the men in black. These are also sort of associated with psychic vampires because you, you feel tired after seeing them. You don't remember anything. I think all of those would count as psychic vampires. And actually, I've never thought about Freddy Krueger that way before. But yeah, that's a fair point because I suppose he does. You get more and more tired in trying to avoid him. So you get less and less energy. And then eventually he kills you. But he kills you in your dreams. So he's not actually physically coming up and draining your blood. Even if he drains your blood in your dream, he's not actually doing it. So, yes, yeah, because he isn't. Him alive in the dream world is feeding off people's fears and energy to keep him. It's not just he wants revenge on the parents that, that burnt him. He also wants to feed off of their fear for throughout the generation so that he can survive in the dream world. Or am I just going way off tangent? <laughs> no, I get what you. I mean, I I don't think he's a kitsune because he's, he's not, not cute. cute. Or, <laughs> but. I do think that he, yeah, you could easily argue that he's, so, uh, I suppose if we were talking about psychic vampires or energy vampires on film, then he definitely seems to be an example of one. Um, so the tail thing, um, the reason that I'm saying did I have one tail, did I have two tails, and you've got different Pokemon that are Kitsune that have different numbers of tails. So in the myths, they say that at 100, the, on their 100th birthday, the fox will grow a second tail. And then on their 200th birthday, they'll grow a third tail and so on. So with their second tail, their power doubles. And then with their third tail, their power trebles and so on and so on. 
and they think once they reach 900 and get their ninth tail, that's when they become their most powerful. So you could be a kitsune that lived for two, 3,000 years, but the maximum number of tails you would gain would be nine tails. So nine tails from Pokemon is supposed to be an uber-powerful energy vampire. So I don't imagine how they could capture that um, Pokemon in a Pokeball. If anything, I would want that poor thing, like, well, that powerful creature to fuck, you know, like, Brock and Ash up, because... <laughs> Why? Why should they get it? They're all yeah. people. I mean, capturing I mean, these magnificent creatures and keeping them as slaves for their own ends. Even a Vulpix, if it has three tails, that's a like three hundred year old like treble powered supernatural being. So, I mean, even in saying that, like the one that's a caterpillar, I feel like it's quite shit to put a caterpillar in a ball and carry it around with you for weeks. But <laughs> yeah, certainly putting some like ethereal being in a ball seems monstrous. In fact, energy vampires aren't the monsters. Pokemon trainers are the real monsters. They are. They are monstrous. I mean, yeah, arguably they are. They make them fight each other for just points. Like, I'm sure as we do this podcast, more and more Pokemon will come up because quite a lot of Pokemon are obviously based on Japanese myth. And yeah, I mean, that is what they're doing. They're kidnapping cryptozoological creatures and forcing them to fight. Exactly. It's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> it is wrong. We should put a stop to Pokemon. Right, well. Okay. Right to go back to the tails, uh-huh. you might well be wondering, uh, how can a fox that has a maximum lifespan of 15 years, I checked that on a zoology website, live to be thousands of years old, right? So if a nine tails is at least 900 years old, then how can it possibly be a fox? And this brings us back to well, what is it that these Pokemon creatures do, these mythological creatures do, that make them an energy vampire? So the Kitsune can form a parasitic bond with humans that sustains them. They feed off humans' joy of their vital energy or of their sexual energy. This can sometimes go as far as removing all of their energy from their bodies so that they die, or removing all of their memories so that when they're going in their dreams, they're eating their memories. And the the human body is still there, it's still alive, but it's unable to recall or memorise anything. And at that point in time, the kitsune would then move on because, well, obviously if the human's dead, there's nothing for them to feed on. But if they're feeding specifically on dream energy, then once there's no dream energy left, once there's no memory energy left, they would leave. And at that point, they would form a parasitic bond with a a different human. Do they target specific humans or is, are they not bothered? Do they, like, for instance, just target men or women or children or, or do, they, do they just whatever's got the most so, energy to them? In all the notes I was looking into, it, it said that they can target children, they can target adults, they can target men, they can target women, but the majority of them tend to target men. It did seem to be the the majority of Kitsune take the form of a beautiful woman in order to seduce men. And then the small number of Kitsune that want to feed off the energy of women would specifically take the form of a man. So there didn't seem to be any queer representation in the Kitsune community. And then obviously you've got your small number again that turn into inanimate objects. Although the ones that turned into inanimate objects, again, also seem to be targeting men. So they might turn into... A sword, for example, that a man would desire, so they then finds the sword, keeps it in his house, but unbeknown to him, the sword is invading his dreams at night, and 
eating his memories and eating his energy. I love that. Yeah, I, I, as I said to you before we started recording, I really enjoyed researching it. It's one of the most interesting things because I didn't know a lot about them. Again, I knew they were in Pokemon, but <laughs> over and above that. Also, to go back to our Kinducula chat from last week, <laughs> but I really liked the idea that because there's not much of an expansion on what they actually are in Pokemon, and I thought, well, if Ash has a Vulpix and he's carrying her around with him everywhere that he goes he really thinks that he's won and he's enslaved her, but actually she's slowly draining his life energy until the point that he will collapse dead and then she'll move on to a new Pokemon trainer that she'll be able to form a parasitic bond with because really she doesn't need to change into an object to seduce them. The object of their desire is a Pokemon and she already is one. Do you think that, well, you can't really win against that thing because even if like Team Rocket had it and thought we'll, we'll catch this, what's it called again? A Vulpix. A Vulpix? So if they catch the Vulpix and they think, right, Team Rocket, we'll get Ash and all of them, we'll, we'll um, best them with our Vulpix, they'll drain the energy and then we'll be the winners. But actually, Vulpix just drains everybody that she comes across or it comes across. Yeah, so... So every... if it deliberately wants to be captured by a Pokemaster, so yeah. it can drain them. Genius. Yeah, because they want all of the Kitsune and all the stories seem to, they want whoever they're parasitically attached onto to think that they possess them. So this is my beautiful younger wife. This is my beautiful younger husband. This is my beautiful new sword. Look at this amazing thing I possess. But actually, yeah, you don't possess them at all. They're allowing you to think that they do so they can slowly kill you. So actually, really, the story in Pokemon is a happy one because Vulpix is slowly murdering Ash, who is a slave driver. Do you know what that reminds me of as well? I don't know if you ever watched Red Dwarf, but there was an episode called The Polymorph, and it was like a yeah. sort of take on the alien movies, like the um, the Xenomorph, but it was a polymorph. So instead of like you know just eating them, it would put it's it would drain part of their personality, part of their emotions. So like the cat's cool, it would take his cool, so it would turn him into a nerd, and uh, he'd have no fashion set. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it would just, or and it would turn into, in order to um, to capture its prey, it would turn into objects. So it would turn into like for Lester, it turned into like a, a kebab, and then it would turn into like a lunchbox, or um, it would turn into like a pair of Lester's underwear, and it starts slowly squeezing them. <laughs> or with um, Crichton, it would turn into like a female robot, but so it, it has like a uh, sort of ugly thing. Kitsune like qualities. It's like a, a space Kitsune. Yeah. Not cute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I quite like the idea of them. Like, I don't want one to kill me, but <laughs> they do seem like quite sweet animals. So, you know, foxes are nice. Fan of foxes. Uh, have you ever heard of Baby Metal? There's a band called Baby Metal, and they have one of their mascots, one of their symbols is the fox god which I think is called, what, Katsumi? Yeah. Yeah. And the instead of, you know, how, like, the, the devil's horns or something like that, you know, when you're um, at a rock concert, um, they have, like, a fox symbol. So they've still got the two um, fingers up at the sides, but then the, one, the fingers in the middle and the thumb are sort of pressed together, so it looks like a fox. <laughs> and you sort of... So, so maybe that's, like, a symbol of, like, the sexual energy of rock stars, if you don't know. Baby fine. metal are all like extraordinarily beautiful women, aren't they? 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe they are all kits and eh? Because <laughs> the whole the concert and everyone was there directing their energy towards you and directing their lust towards you and you're a kitsune then you could be draining all their energy exactly and i'm not gonna lie when i went to that concert at the battlelands it was mostly full of like sort of bald and old men that is their favorite prey so yeah. all adds up <laughs> i think this all kind of leads us on to what you wanted to talk about because yeah. we're talking about yeah. sex vixens and sexy calves that come in and seduce you in the night and women luring men away with their energy so do you want to, to talk to us a bit about that yeah definitely so what i want to um focus on uh, leading into that is the idea of the femme patel um the idea of the hollywood vamp or the hollywood vampire which was invented essentially by the studios in the early sort of 20th century the sort of start of the silent era mostly between 1914 and 1919 that sort of like was at its peak and the most famous of these sort of um hollywood vampire women was a character called Fida Barra now Fida Barra is one of my arrow goth heroes she's like the godmother of goth <laughs> and um she basically was just an ordinary person uh, her real name was Theodosa Theodora Goodman so she was just like had and she was the daughter of like Jewish immigrants and um she got like some acting roles but then she was discovered by some um, Hollywood studio producers who decided to take her and change her name to Frida Barra come up with the publicity by um claiming that it was an anagram well saying it was an anagram of Arab death and playing <laughs> up the sort of exoticness of that like the sort of oriental that a lot of um sexiness back then was seen as like something oriental obviously non-white more exotic from faraway lands they claimed that she was the daughter of a french actress and italian sculptor and she was born in the shadow of the pyramids (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's brilliant i wish somebody would introduce me by saying i was born in the shadow of a pyramid yeah, but her mum was a French actress and her dad was an Italian sculptor, but somehow she was brought up under the shadow of the, the pyramids because she's like all this, that gives her her mystique. So she basically was given the role of the, the vamp or vampire in the silent movies, mostly between, like I say, between 1914 and 19. She was basically cast as a woman who could ensnare any man, exploit him, trample all over them and enjoy doing it feeding off their pain and their yearning for her so she she looked kind of she wasn't she was typical of the sort of era that she was an actress in so she's just come she was born in 1885 so like nearly 100 years before me (laughs) and um, (laughs) I just compare myself to her so um she was like 30 when she started her movie career and she sort of had this sort of buxom Victorian sort of voluptuous figure. She wasn't skinny by any means, like the sort of flapper girls that you would get with the washboard slimline silhouettes of the 1920s. So she came across as this sort of voluptuous kind of dark woman. She wasn't exceptionally beautiful, I don't think, but but she she was sort of 
manufactured to look really sexy. She wore really skimpy outfits. She wore, like, for instance, in Cleopatra, she would wear seafood, very sheer gowns um, with, like, pasties <laughs> on her breast. She had, like, a bra made out of coiled snakes with a ruby in the eye, specifically over her nipples. So, um, yeah, I love her look. And she had really dark, she had dark holes around her eyes, like really smoky eyes. And she was often photographed next to skeletons. Like, that was her latest victim. Like, and that was her lover she just couldn't be without. Um, sort of like a Jeffrey Dahmer who just couldn't, like, keep away from his victims and has to keep them in the fridge for company. Um, I'm so- getting why you're a massive fan of hers because as well as wishing that people said I was born in the shadow of a pyramid also yeah. were like do you know Mark that ref- like he refuses to be photographed unless there's a skeleton in the picture <laughs> like I'm liking her vibes she also was like photographed often in publicity pictures with like a crow or a black bird and just often wearing very scantily like not much clothing for and for the time it was like women were still wearing corsets and long skirts and it was quite shocking um, and thrilling for people back then who couldn't get access to underground porn, uh, which most men could probably um, when they were having like stag parties. But um, so basically, she her figure was quite buxom and matronly. It was sort of a body that was worshipped in the late nineteenth century before, like I say, the washboard look of the twenties. She was actually from Cincinnati, and her famous roles, sadly, the majority lost forever was as Cleopatra and also she was in a movie called A Fool There Was. That was one of her first movies, which was actually based on a poem by Rudyard Kipling, which was called The Vampire. And there was a famous painting of this poem of a woman sort of like leaning over a sort of like a man that's been drained and he looks sort of dead and she's like triumphing over him. Um, so it was based on that so the movie I feel there was it has survived in parts you can see it on YouTube so I suggest that you go and check that out because I think it'll be quite interesting to see what it was about her that was so fascinating to people and how she came across as a sort of powerful vampiric woman who seduces men and and why although she wasn't like kind of beautiful by today's standards why she was quite appealing back then so in the movie I feel there was she plays a woman who seduces a wealthy married diplomat who's ruined by her attentions, which he cannot resist. In the movie, she leads one man to end up in jail, another to the status of a beggar, and then another one is driven to suicide because of her, her wicked ways. <laughs> but unlike movies of the sort of later times of the 30s where if you were a sinful woman you had to pay for if you were a sexy seductive woman who had dominance over men you had to pay for your sins in the end because of the production code you couldn't be powerful without being sort of punished for it yeah an immoral woman faded barra did all of that and still lived at the end of it in triumphs which is another reason why i really love her character most of her movies she played the vampire role um, she was known as or publicized as the wickedest woman in the world which is one of the taglines for a movie called the devil's daughter so the, again there's associations between sin and being a powerful seductive woman and being evil in a way yeah. which made her really popular although um, i now want to go and watch other films now that you're talking about them because i feel like i'm being seduced by just the idea of her but i really like what you're saying that 
that there was that connection and then there wasn't like there's the idea that if you're a woman who does what you want you're evil but it's almost like were all our films so positive about her evil was there no punishment for her or any of them because that's great (laughs) she triumphs over like she doesn't get punished if anything you see her I think there was one scene described in a fool there was where one of her victims, the, the sort of the, the dignified, wealthy gentleman, is seen um, looking at some petals and admiring a rose. And then you see her afterwards come up and she's dressed in like velvets and silks and really elaborate sort of um, clothing, which back then was the sort of silent era equivalent of a, a big slut. <laughs> and she wanders up. The flower, the same flower that he's looking at, and she just sort of crushes it in her hands, and then just discards them about the, the um, garden and and like, in triumph, like I'm going to destroy that's like symbolizing I'm going to destroy this man, and then have a great time, I have a great time doing it. So um, and and which is really sad for me because all of those films, like there's only snippets of that film left. And of all the 40 films that she made, the majority of them have all been destroyed or lost because back then um, the films were made of nitrate, which is very flammable. So a lot of these old silent movies were lost in fire later on in like the 30s or 40s when they just they just caught fire because if you've ever seen um, Glorious Bastards or the yes. end, yeah, where she uses that film because it's so flammable that it, it, it burns really, really intense heat. So that's what happens, unfortunately, with those films. And a lot of them were just forgotten about because, like, they moved on to talkies and they didn't really appreciate the silent movies, I don't think, back then until, like, they kind of do now. Right, so moving on. <laughs> so uh, when, I, when I say, like, I was quite influenced by her when I when I was, like, 14, 15, I was getting a lot into a lot of interest in silent movies and goth culture. And she came up quite a few times. I'd see pictures of her wearing this like amazing bra and getting photographs with skeletons and things like that. So I started sort of basing my look around Fada Bara and wanting to behave sort of like her character behaved to give myself a bit of a bit of sense of power. Yeah, I'm getting the when you were talking about the layers of silk and so on, I'm like getting and also when you said that like I had a sort of image of when we were younger, <laughs> it would be <laughs> possible that if someone who you thought was fit was admiring a nice flower in a park I could imagine you walking up and crossing it and just making intense eye contact with them and walking away <laughs> yeah I mean it's a bit like um where you see in the Adams family you see Morticia cutting the heads off the roses because she prefers that to the beauty of the rose itself <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love Morticia. <laughs> so it's a kind of dominance anyway so I also I don't think we were hanging around back then, but I once dressed as her for Halloween school disco, but no <laughs> one knew who I was. But I liked the fact that I, I was dressed as Fida and I liked it. So it was really just for me, not anyone else. I just wanted to be her. And Marilyn Monroe also dressed up as her for like a publicity shoot. It's a really interesting picture. So I suggest people go and look at that. So she comes across, because Marilyn Monroe is kind of known for sort of like, girlish whispery voice you know like sexy but not powerful in a way whereas you see her dressed as Fada Barra she's like on a tiger she's sort of on her hands and knees like an actual predator she looks amazing with her black hair and everything you wouldn't think it was Marilyn Monroe so back to Fida there's an interesting fact about Fida that I found out which I really (laughs) thought was funny 
She was once subpoenaed by a California court to give expert testimony on the psychology of female vampires in a murder trial. <laughs> the thing is, she's, she wasn't at, she was just a, like a Jewish girl that was given the image of a vampire. She had no expertise whatsoever. She was still playing the character. Yeah, I don't understand law. really trying to charge an actual vampire and they, they think that she was also an actual vampire. No, I don't think she did, but she did um, apparently when she was getting interviewed back then, I know you couldn't really hear her voice, but uh, she would pretend that she couldn't speak much English. Like she would, she, she would say, claim that she grew up in Paris. Like she, she worked in Paris in the theatre with Sarah Bernhardt, who was also sort of a vamp, vamp type character who was seen as exotic and lived like in a sort of exotic palace back then. <laughs> um, but in reality, Frida Barra had never met Sarah Bernhardt, and she'd never been to Paris. She couldn't speak French. You can actually hear an interview with her or a wee clip on YouTube from the 30s when she's been interviewed on the radio and she sounds just like an ordinary woman. She doesn't sound anything like French, kind of very pretentious kind of thing. That they, She had to keep up the publicity because that was her, that was her image, that was what she was famous for, even though sometimes she did want to play more sort of less vampish roles she played like Romeo she played Juliet and Romeo and Juliet but again she's still like sort of involved in killing a man in that I suppose mm. so she was typecast the the trial that she was involved in there's more to it so there is a guy called George Martinez he was accused of throwing his wife out of their apartment to her death which I think is the truth mm-hmm. in his defense Martinez is his attorney tried to prove that his wife was actually a vampire that had fallen in love, <laughs> right? So, her, if you're a vampire that's fallen in love, that's a weakness forbidden for vamps. So she threw herself out the window in a suicidal kind of bit of behaviour because of a broken heart. Um, so the reason why I brought Fada in to the court case was to explain the mentality of a thwarted vampire that that vampires shouldn't ever fall in love; they should be destroying the men not being destroyed themselves and that's why she threw herself out the window because she was ashamed that she had a broken heart rather than that <laughs> her husband was a murdering bastard and threw her out that's absolutely <laughs> demented i don't know what the re- no the result of it was that he wasn't found guilty of murder he was found guilty of manslaughter how ridiculous is that how that's- can you Manslaughter through someone through a window. (laughs) You can't accidentally chuck someone through a window. That's. (laughs) So she went on to say that women vampires like Fida were not bloodsuckers, but instead a woman that preyed on respectable but foolish men by draining them of their life force and leading them down a path of degradation. So essentially a psychic vampire or energy vampire, which links into our topic modern day vampires i can think of would probably be like rinsers or gold diggers people who mm-hmm. go on reality tv shows you know like love islands yeah that prey on men for fame and then dump them later on when they're no longer of use to them or like kim kardashian with kanye west because you think about it kanye west used to be like really talented and <laughs> and now he's just deranged madman. and then they're being married to Please don't sue me, Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, isn't it, is it not funny that how he ended up going a bit mental? I mean, yeah, he has clearly gone mad. I mean, 
again, please don't sue us, but if I had to spend more than an hour with Kim Kardashian, I imagine I too would go mad. But yeah, maybe that's some sort of, that's how she feeds. And her image is all about kind of having a strange look, a massive arse and like a really tiny waist, long dark hair, kind of Armenian. She does, she does look quite vampish. Yeah, she does actually know that you... I've never thought of Kim Kardashian as attractive, but I think that's a lot to do with the way she acts and styles herself. But yeah, I suppose she technically is quite a striking woman. You just wouldn't really think of her as such because Mm. she can paint herself in an attractive way and she dresses in a... I mean, somebody covered in white and diamonds is never going to be attractive. But it just it does make me think that like sort of modern day kind of vamps are or if you call them energy vampires in terms of women are women who are like seen as seductive, sexy and feed off of fame and power that way. Yeah. And like rinsers. Don't you know someone who's a rinser? The um like giftless girls and stuff like that who will just use vulnerable men who have no self-esteem, which we can get into later at the end of this. Yeah. Um, we go in more depth about what is an energy vampire. Is someone who preys off of someone who has low self-esteem and basically exploits that in order to gain for themselves by getting gifts. And I mean, yeah, like you say, I do know someone, a gift list girl. Um, obviously won't name her, although I don't think she would actually mind if I name her, but I won't. But yeah, I mean, that... Yeah, you're right, she does. I mean, she said herself, I, no judgment. I'm back to literally see no problem with it whatsoever, like, I kind mm-hmm. of, with the points that she made. But she was saying that, well, what's the issue of her doing that as a job? Because if there are people out there that are sad and pathetic enough to believe that somebody that they've spoken to for 10 seconds is in love with them and then think that's an acceptable way to treat someone that you have convinced yourself you're falling in love with to say... I'll buy you a washing machine if you show me a picture of your baps. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> her words were, who's doing something wrong, me or that guy? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, who's living their life wrong there? <laughs> At least she's getting something out of it. Yeah. So um, with regards to Fida Barra, her story ended in 1955 at the age of 69, which I find amusing. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm so immature. <laughs> of course the Queen of the Vampires would die at the age of 69. Why not? It's fitting. The Queen of the Vampires, Devil's Handmaiden, the Priestess of Sin. In reality, though, it was all just a character. She was given a part to play. She was just a normal Jewish girl from Cincinnati. She was a symbol for displaced female desire, like Lilith and the vamp role um, was associated with sex, with sin and evil. A woman who seduces was seen as shocking in an era governed by rigid codes of moral, spiritual and social behaviour, which would be why her vamp persona at that time would have been popular amongst women, I suspect, who would want to see her movies more than men because she was an example of someone who had tra- um, transcended that moral kind of codes yeah and turned it into something powerful so for that reason and she lived at the end of it and triumphed and had a great time um so for that reason i celebrate fedabara she dominated men on screen and god damn it she enjoyed it 
I mean, she does sound like a fabulous human being. Also, I'm calling her a fabulous human being. Do we know for a fact that she died at the end, or did she maybe turn into a fox and disappear into the woods? Because <laughs> I feel like there's quite a lot of connection. Maybe that's why she sort of retired from the screen. They say she married some guy who claimed he was like an aristocrat, but he was actually just a butcher from Liverpool, but she stayed with him for We've the all been there. Yeah, but maybe that was all bullshit and she actually just turned into her fox form and went off to live in the wild, enjoying the rest of her days I as a cat. I believe that she's out there being a fox and skipping about in the woods. I'd love to come across her. Yes, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I think that would be a wonderful reward. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I really enjoyed all that information about her. She sounds fascinating. I can see why you fell in love with her at such a young age. Yeah, I think she's just a really fascinating character. And I just wonder if she enjoyed playing the vamp herself or whether she actually was quite different in real life or or maybe people just thought it'd be fun to think of her as a sort of demure Victorian woman knitting doilies at home having cups <laughs> of tea. But then even if she was playing the role of the vamp, that still ties in with the whole idea of an energy vampire because well the other two energy vampires that we've touched on so far one of them was really a cat putting on the act of a vampish woman and one of them was really a fox putting on the form of a vampish woman so you can put on the form of a vamp in order to drain your victims and still be a vamp i think it was just a really fascinating era and there was even like songs called like do the vamp (laughs) (laughs) and being a woman being a vampire um back then was basically being a seducer so samael would approve i mean samael would certainly approve of her in her seductive seductive ways right so Let's move on to how to spot an energy vampire. Like, now, do you know one? Do you think you could have been one? How do you know that you're being preyed upon by an energy vampire? You're around them, and how do you deal with them? Well, it's strange. (laughs) It's a strange coincidence that you bring up our good friend, Samael, because I was (laughs) looking into where the sort of judeo-christian idea of the energy vampire comes from what their beliefs are about it how they would advise that you stop one um and when i started looking into the judeo-christian explanations um i came across stories that were related to lilith and samael again um mrs seducer if you will so according to some mythologies lilith and samael's children were able to sustain themselves on the energy of humans um, they had all of their children were exceptionally beautiful and their children became incubi, succubi and ego energy vampires. So the junior seducers might not all be easy to spot because... Wait, the junior seducers? That's, that's the name. <laughs> junior seducer squad. Mommy dad remember the message seducer then. Surely they are junior seducers. I mean, it doesn't say that in any of the mythological writings about them, but... The cheerleading squad of the seducers. <laughs> <laughs> some, some of the cheerleading squads of seducers 
are not necessarily easy to spot because incubi and succubi tend to seduce you in your dreams while you're asleep. So Thank you me. might not be able to see them because you are Scott unconscious. Are the Bill Cosby of the... <laughs> <laughs> Is Bill Cosby a succubus? <laughs> um, I'd have to say no. I I don't think that um, Lilith and Samuel would have him. I feel <laughs> relative of theirs. They would have drowned him at birth. <laughs> Again, I don't believe that either of them are evil. I believe that Bill Cosby is evil. <laughs> so, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> evil and should be kept in prison for all eternity. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe raped in the shower now and then. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to a dark place here, but he Yes, let's go back to our, our good French children. So their third type of child is the ego energy vampire. Now, the ego energy vampire is addicted to the energy of their human. I'm going to say their human is because they become addicted to the energy of a human who becomes addicted to their seductiveness. Um, now, <laughs> I researched this quite an odd place. So I found an article by an author called Melody Wilding, who works as a CEO coach and had written an article for Forbes Business Magazine about ego energy vampires. Like, well, no, I, I mean, I don't think that Donald Trump, I think he could be seduced by an ego energy vampire. I don't think he would be one because they have cunning and wit and he is but, absolute imbecile. But that's where he is an energy vampire, but I'll get into that later. Okay, so we should return to, article. to Donald. So in our article, Melody says that ego energy vampires appear as though they are normal humans. They could be your workmate, they could be your friend, they could be your lover, and whoever they are, they seem to pull all of your attention at the most inappropriate times. Yes. This is one of the ways to spot them. If you have someone in your life that that when you think of them, you immediately become irked because you know that whenever it's not opportunic, opportunic, I've made up a word, opportun, <laughs> opportunistic to have them in your face, they will appear and they will annoy you. She says they draw you in, and then you lose track of time, and they always leave you exhausted. You try to end the interaction or relationship altogether, but this fiend is one that won't leave you, and when they eventually break the conversation with you, you feel off-kilter for trying to tell them to leave or get them out of your life. So this is one of the ways that she's kind of said you can spot a, a modern ego-energy vampire is that in dealing with them, you would feel drained, you would feel confused, you would feel exhausted, and they always sort of pop up at the most inopportunistic moment. Now, going on from her research, I then started to look into, I thought, well, this can't possibly be what the children of Lilith and Samael would be like, because surely they would be cool. And I thought, it's possible that they are actually a type of energy vampire called a cambion. Have you heard of cambians before? No. No, I'd never heard of them until I started looking into this. So cambians are not the children of Lilith and Samael, but they are the descendants of their children. And where their children would know that they were ego energy vampires 
Cambians might not be aware that they are a type of vampire. They might just think that they are normal, everyday people. Ooh. So you so, could be one? I could be one. You could be one. I started thinking of some examples from my life or from the public sphere that may be well-known, well, well-known to me, or well-known to everyone, <laughs> examples of Cambians. And I managed to come up with two. The first is a former colleague, and the second is a cast member of the TV show Will and Grace. Oh, brilliant. Okay. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm, going start, I'm going to start with the Will and Grace example. So, Megan Mullally, who is one of the authors in Will and Grace, have an amazing podcast. I don't know if you listen to it. It's really, really interesting and funny. And then, not the last episode, but the episode before, she was talking about her need to withdraw from starring on Will and Grace. The show has now been cancelled altogether, and she appeared on less episodes in the last series than she ever had before. And she basically was saying that she felt that she couldn't go to work. And she said the reason for this was a specific member of the cast. Now, she doesn't name the cast member, but many people have implied it to be Deborah Messing. So part of the reason that I believe what she's saying is because Deborah is sort of a, a red-haired beauty. And quite often these uh, Cambians are described as being uh, statuesque and curvaceous and red-headed. So she, she fits in with what these demons might look like. And because Megan said that, to quote Deborah's, and, or she didn't say Deborah's, that I'm misquoting. She said this person's interactions ruin her. Um, she explained that it happened before on the original series and has come up again. And that dealing with this person leaves her dis feeling disappointed and feeling mad at herself. She said this person ate up all of everyone's time trying to paint a picture of themselves as just the opposite of what they are, which is a meddling bully. She goes on to say that the person spends a lot of your time telling you about how they are the person who, and this is a quote, who cares the most about justice on the planet Earth more than any person ever has, and they need you to know this, which is exhausting. And I thought, that, that to me sounds like an energy vampire. I don't know about your thoughts, no, but... I it definitely does, because I've written down quite a few characteristics of what classifies or what qualifies as an energy vampire. Mm -hmm. um, and one of them is they're often charismatic, crafty, and like to pin problems on someone else in almost every situation. Mm -hmm. They'll never accept culpability for their role in any disagreement or issue. They need emotions to feed from, so they will provide this to get their food. They bring drama onto their victims. They don't like to be undone. They want to be centre of attention all the time. They diminish their problems and play up their own to drain the most energy. They will shift attention of the discussion to themselves, like in a narcissist way, turning dismay into their emotional buffet. <laughs> oh, I quite enjoyed that. They turned dismay into an emotional buffet. An emotional buffet. <laughs> Um, some of them act like martyrs. They place their problems on the shoulders of other people to boost their self-esteem. So, for instance, they'll just say, oh, my life is so bad right now and moan about how everything's like turned on them. They're the victim. They're the martyr. Um, if it wasn't for this, and they just bang on about that all the time, putting it on you. Um, they often target 
good-natured people and use it against them. So if you're a sensitive and compassionate and kind person, that's a prime target for an energy vampire because they will use your kindness in a way that makes you like exploit that to make them listen to their inane problems and make them feel guilty so that they don't yeah like bring like what um, Megan was saying use up all their time yeah I think guilt trips or ultimatums like with everything you're saying when I started listening to what she was saying I did just think yeah that's that fits in with everything you're describing that a hundred percent as an energy vampire I think we've both well, you and I, but also Megan, all three of us um, have had to deal with an energy vampire at some point in time that I do feel fits in more with this like mythological description than it fits in with the the idea that they're just a basically a crap person. I think they might be the, <laughs> the descendant of a demon and just not realise. Um, or is that just a good excuse? <laughs> but then it's not an excuse, is it? Because I think... Uh, if I think, I'll go on and describe my situation or my former situation in a second. Okay. Okay. If I think of the person, if they are a person, that I believe to be an energy vampire, well, actually, they're not really using it as an excuse, are they? Because the people that tend to do things like this, I don't think they are in any way able to process that they are doing wrong. And I think maybe that's because <laughs> they are, in fact, one of these cambian creatures and they just don't realise they're a monster. Um, the situation, as you know, that I was in a few years ago, um, which again, listen to what Megan was saying, I was like, I feel you. So I was in a working relationship with a beautiful, curvaceous, statuesque redhead who ate all of my life energy. I think that would be the best way I could describe it. Um, and I totally feel for Megan and anyone else who has this experience of the horror of dealing with a Cambian because having researched them, I'm now convinced that this person was in fact a Cambian. I'll return to what uh, Melody Wilding was saying in the Forbes article because I think her description, it matches up with exactly what you were saying, Leslie. Mm. It matches up with what Megan was saying and it matches up with what I experienced. Um, She said, a Cambian seems entitled to take up all of your time. And I definitely had this problem when I was dealing with this person. They would call me, text me, email me at all hours of the day, between 9 and 5, between 5 and midnight, on some occasions between 2 a.m. and 5 a.m. Generally, for completely pointless reasons. Um, And I do want to emphasise as well, not that I'm saying that it's a healthy relationship if your boyfriend or girlfriend phones you every hour or so, but this was not someone that I was in any kind of a romantic relationship with. This was not someone that I had a friendship with, so there is literally no reason... I mean, if, you know, you contacted me at two o'clock in the morning, unless it was an actual emergency, I'd assume you'd gone mad. So, I know <laughs> for I know that, I'm that I don't that care for it at all. Vampire, Mark. Sorry. Sorry. I'm not that type of energy vampire because I don't like to contact people very often. If no, anything, I, I like to stay away from people, so therefore I'd be starved of any sort of energy whatsoever. But I do bounce off of people's energy, I think. I bounce off it. I don't feed off it. Yeah, I think bouncing off somebody's energy is not the same as feeding off it. Like, I, I don't think you could get two people that were any more different than you and this person, or again, possibly not person I'm describing. The article in Forbes goes on to say, on the note of these ego energy vampires, they believe their agenda, be that showing, oh, sorry, I can't read my own writing, be that saving a town 
or describing a hat, which I found quite entertaining, um, supersedes above all else. So basically, whatever it is that they're talking about, whether it's going to have a massive impact or whether it's literally pointless, they genuinely seem to believe that them talking about that is more important than anything else that could be going on. And that while they're doing this, you find yourself somehow powerless to walk away which again totally ties in with my experience. And this person will constantly brag and name drop in a nonsensical way. Again, I totally experienced this. Um, I've made up a name as an example here, but when I had to spend time with this person, they would quite often say things like, did you know I used to work with Goop Maloop? At which point I would take a confused pot because of sorry, what are you talking about? And then they would look at me and be like, sorry, you don't know Goop Maloop? Get my look, get my look. Like, obviously not that as an actual name, but it was almost constant. Oh yeah, like I'll come and sit with you because if I ever told you, like when I worked with Susie Maguzzi, we a hundred percent like covered that. Did I tell you I used to work with Susie Maguzzi before she went on to what she's doing now? Like, oh, God, I have no idea what you're talking about. So again, going through this list, I'm like, right, this person's a cambio. And then the final bit in the article, as they said, and finally. They feast on your energy and your sanity by downplaying the contributions of others at length, which again totally ties into what you were saying. If you so much as slightly defend the other person, and again, if I think about when I experienced this, um, and I dared once to say that a friend was, in my view, good at her job when this person was ripping into them, they then would go on to accuse you of being overly sensitive or overdramatic and eating up all of your time in what seems like one brief encounter. And I thought, again, yeah, this entirely sums up. I can remember spending hours with this person where I had defended somebody else who they were ripping into for a throwaway second that's a vaguely nice comment about them. And then going, oh, 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 gee, I mean, I don't think you really know her if you think that. Like, oh, I mean, do you actually think that? I don't know. I think sometimes you're just a bit of a drama queen. You're killing me. No, <laughs> I must eat your energy. And yeah, this is going on for, and I mean, hours. And I think, so yeah, I am, I am 100% convinced that I have encountered the mythical monster, the Cambian. And I was wondering, Leslie, have you yourself, now that I've explained what a Cambian is to you, do you believe that much like me and Megan, you too have experienced the, the power of a Cambian? Yeah, definitely. One was like someone who I thought was my friend, but she falls into the category as one of the energy vampires that criticize or bully or use intimidation to stir up emotional fodder. So they'll criticize anything because they're incredibly insecure. They'll go around criticizing other people or gossiping about other people, bitching, things like that constantly. Yeah. And if you don't agree with them, then they'll just carry on even more or use fear to stir up like so say like it's like if they say oh I don't want to hang around with this person anymore you shouldn't be friends with them either and then use their fear against like you losing more of your friends if you fall out with if you don't fall into line with what she wants I'll often find that um, she would be quite dominating as in like she would insist that I do the same things that she wants to do all the time and quite frankly, a lot of her conversations were really boring. And she always had to brag about things that she did. Like when she started a new job, she would brag about how she became like the leader of all the meetings and, and or, like how she was better than everyone, basically. 
and she was the best. <laughs> she was taking the lead and all, and I just thought this is bullshit. Stuff like that, like, you know, whatever I did, she did something better. Or if I bought something, it was never good enough for, for something that she bought. She would always suggest things that were better, that, that what I did wasn't good enough, stuff like that. And any time I just tried to speak to her um, about how I felt, I felt like she wasn't interested. She just wanted to bring the topic back to herself all the time. So it got to the point where I just had to cut her off completely, which is one of the deals, One of, unfortunately, it was one of the ways that you'd have to deal with um, an energy vampire is just to cut them off completely. I mean, yeah, that was my, and evidently, Megan's, same as you were. The weight was lifted off my shoulders when I did that. I felt like my energy was coming back, and I didn't have to deal with this anymore. And it was like a light had appeared in the dark. No, I 100% get you. Like, the, again, the person that I had the issue with previously, I tried to distance myself from them. I tried to cut conversation shorter. I tried to just sort of go, oh, okay, great. Even if they said something awful about someone and walk away. But none of it worked. And eventually, I just went and got a different job. And yeah, it, it improved my life 20-fold because, yeah, I did feel constantly exhausted. And again, it goes back to all the things that all of these myths sort of hold to be true, that they are parasitic and they take up all your time and they feed off all your energy and they make you constantly tired by eating your dreams or in this case not actually allowing you to sleep and yeah being out of that situation you're just immediately a million times better and sometimes like you know these energy vampires could be your friends close friends but they'll they'll try to appear that they're nice but in the, the same time that they will use your insecurity as a means of feeding off you by making you feel insecure do you to go back to what you said earlier then because i feel like quite a lot of the points that we've brought up about cambians and the way that these beings act because they think they're human do you think that donald trump's one <laughs> yes i think that he is in the category of the the one who criticizes and bullies. Mm-hmm. So every like for instance, like there's this farce where he was basically claiming he was looking at his medical um, doctor while he was saying it, saying that, oh well maybe we can inject Dettol for <laughs> disinfectant into the body. Ah. But when journalists quite rightly said to him, Well, what are you talking about? You, you can't say things like that. He went, well, I said it sarcastically to you, the fake news. So he's someone who will never admit to his, um, he, he can't be, he won't criticise, can't take criticism, and he'll put it on other people. I mean... And he'll yeah. use bullying and intimidation to feed off people's energy. And I feel like he, he's in that category. When you brought him up earlier, I was like, I don't get where this is coming from. But now that we've actually discussed the the sort of ways to to spot an energy vampire or a psychic vampire or a cambion, yeah, he does seem to tick quite a lot of the boxes. But did you not think it's funny how, like, you know, that medical woman just went along with it and didn't decide to stop him out of fear? And also the journalists, they, they try and criticise him. That he doesn't actually take any of the criticism, he just turns it around and puts it back on them. 
Yeah, which again comes up in quite a lot of the writings of like how to spot one that they'll put it back on you, that they don't seem to be able to comprehend that they're anything but perfect or anything but right. And yeah, that definitely applies to him. I, I, going back to the, uh, where's the quote again from? Megan and they want, they want a reaction from people. So they'll say stuff like that to get reactions out of people to feed off their emotions. Ah, when she was talking about the person that she works with and said um, this person drains your energy by trying to convince you that they're the person who cares the most about justice on the planet Earth more than any other person ever has and that they need you to know that that sounds I mean I could actually imagine Donald Trump at a press conference going uh, I am the man who cares the most about the justice on all of the people of the planet Earth and blah 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 Quote. He claims he's like the smartest man in the room, and he knows that he knows best, and he's better and bigger at everything. Is that not the definition of an energy vampire? That's why maybe he's got like the power to hypnotize people into voting for him, which ties back into our last subject. He's he's in such a like position of power that he has the best place to drain everyone of energy by doing it through like conferences, which makes me think of. I don't really want to compare him to Colin from um, what we do in the shadows. I mean, <laughs> so not to compare him to anyone is offensive, but go on. But there's a character in what we do in the shadows called Colin Robinson, which is like the most boring white name you could possibly think of. Which is funny because one of his um, one of the vampires' minions did an ancestry test on them, all the vampires, and it turns out Colin was 100% white. Which sort of goes into this kind of sort of Donald Trump thing. (laughs) (laughs) And he wears like beige clothes, boring cardigans and stuff like that. And um, he he works in an office. That's where he finds most of his prey. And he bores them with inane conversations. He trolls people online. He loves to attend council meetings to feed off the banality of the meetings. Gives really dull talks about like zoning ordinances. And that's like how he feeds off of people's energy by just boring them. What do you think of that? I mean, yeah, I don't I don't think I've had an energy vampire like that in my life, but I've definitely encountered them. Like there are there are people that I can think of that have, you know, in the time that I've been alive who definitely in the same way that we're saying that these people we've encountered you feel like you spent 10 minutes with them being horrible, but it also feels like you spent 80 years with them being horrible. There's definitely people that can tell you a, a two-minute story about their car, that, specifically cars are boring, that can tell you a two-minute story about their car, and you feel like you've been talking to them for nine and a half years, and you can go for a lot That's why they, they, those particular vampires prey on sort of compassionate, kind people because they're the type of people that are too polite to tell them to fuck off. So they'll just sit there and politely listen to their story slowly being drained because they're so bored that that's what the vampire wants. It wants you to be bored out your mind, but also wants you to sit there and take it. Because I suppose once you zone out, it makes you an ideal target for them to, to zone in on your energy without you know yeah. take it away from you. Exactly. And that's why 
they're not obvious to spot because they're like just sort of ordinary kind of looking people that um where there's that type of vampire but then there's also the charismatic ones that never stop talking or always want to be center of attention want the drama and everything that's the sort of emotional energy vampires are different categories of them that you can spot and how to um, defend yourself from these vampires is to one of the ones is like if you're like in a social situation make sure you're with a lot of people so that they can't target you on an individual basis as long as those people that you're with aren't also energy vampires <laughs> of course so there's safety in numbers shut off your emotional valve and don't offer any advice when they vent their problems to you which is something that I should have learned from which I have learned from now is not to keep um, offering advice to people that aren't going to accept, like, take any notice of it because they just want to carry on telling you about their woes, um, which is what happened to me. And just don't give them an inch. There's a method which, which is called, like, the, the grey rock or the stone rock method where if someone, an energy vampire, tries to talk to you like your colleague did, is just to sort of have a sort of stony expression on your face so that they realise eventually that you're not giving them the reaction that they need and that they'll just eventually move on to someone else or extreme cut them out entirely I mean do yeah make I, eye contact with them sorry do not make eye contact with them I agree with all your tips on how to or, or I would apply all of your tips to how to protect yourself from uh, the Cambian I think, yeah, basically, I run. <laughs> like, don't make contact with them. I also came up with um, two tips on what to do if you might have encountered uh, Kitsune. So they tend to seduce people of the opposite gender, as we discussed, um, even though, obviously, I think gender is a construct, but obviously the authors did not think that because the people who wrote the the views on them and the, the ideas about them had said, well, they tend to seduce people of the opposite gender. They also said that they tend to have porcelain white skin. And I think this fits in quite well to what you were just saying about Colin. I would say that my first tip based on that uh, would be that if you have anyone in your life who bangs on about being proud to be straight and white, why not put them in the bin? Because <laughs> there's a chance that they might be a kiss in there. So <laughs> bin them. Another interesting point that you've just made there that they tend to be bigoted racist. That's another yes. trait of an energy vampire. They bang on about these sort of things like, you know, racist things, bigoted stuff. They tend to be right wing. So that also ties in with Donald Trump and say Boris Johnson and people like them. So basically, to protect yourself from either if you meet a white supremacist, pick them up and put them in a skip. Yes. <laughs> Problem solved. Um, my second tip was that much like uh, vampires, the kitsune and ego energy vampires both avoid mirrors. So mm. the reason for this is because in both cases, the reflection shows their true form. So when a kitsune looks in the mirror, you and they will see a fox. And when an ego energy vampire looks in a mirror, they will feel sad, but they will still see themselves as others perceive them. But you'll see their demonic like visage. So for that reason, both creatures tend to avoid mirrors. So I think my second tip would be, if you're going on a first date with anyone, make sure that you have it in an entirely mirrored room. Or wear a mirrored dress. <laughs> or wear a mirrored dress. Wear like one of those 60s style mirror, mirror gowns. 
always have a compact mirror handy. <laughs> so you look incredibly vain. Did you um, come up with some ideas on what you should do if you're worried that you might be an energy vampire at all? I think the key thing for that is to be self-conscious of how you're coming across. Are you coming? Are you basically bringing the conversation back to yourself all the time? I think look at the symptoms of being an energy vampire and try and recognise if any of those things are in your own behaviour towards people. You need to be self-aware. If you're not self-aware, then how you, you're not going to realise that you can change and not be an energy vampire. Or maybe it's just in your nature and you just can't help yourself, like Colin. He literally needs to feed off of people to live. I suppose if you are a Cambian or a, if you're any of these mythical creatures we've discussed, then, yeah, you kind of need to drain the energy to stay alive, don't you? So if you don't do it, you're going to die. So I guess <laughs> just do it, but please don't do it to either of us. Um, I also came up with a couple of tips on what I think you should do if you fall in love with an energy vampire. Now, you might think the tips are the same and that you should end the relationship and avoid them. But my thinking was incubi and succubi and ego energy vampires, right? And all the descriptions of them, they're either raven-haired or red-haired. They're statuesque. They're beautiful. And then when it comes to the description of the kitsune, when it takes on human form, it's a beautiful Japanese person who's lived for hundreds of years. They love spending time outdoors. And to quote directly from one source I read, they use antiquated speech and they dress in a similar fashion. So I think if you met one of these beings, it would be perfectly understandable if you wanted to ban one. Like, they all sound quite hot. But you don't want to do that and obviously have your energy drained and die. So here are my tips for having a healthy, happy relationship with your energy vampire boyfriend. Okay. Number one, ensure that if you do have an energy vampire boyfriend or girlfriend, that they are not a Cambian. Cambians suck, as we've already disgusted. Disgusted? Well, they are disgusting. Disgust. They may well be white supremacists so if that's the case your relationship is just not going to work get shot tip two kitsune hate dogs but they have a lot in common with some very old cats so if you have a dog swap it for a cat really? tip, yep <laughs> tip three uh much like me kitsune love vegan sushi uh, they specifically love enria zurshi which is sweet fried tofu and rice sushi. So if you're going out with one, maybe make sure that you are good at making that and then they'll be happy and keep you around. Also, in some of the readings that I came across, it says that if your energy vampire bow loves you, then they won't actually feed off of you because they will go and feed off of other beings. So if you can form a positive relationship with them, then they're not necessarily going to drain your energy. And I read this story, which comes from the Ryuke, which is a book of Japanese myths. And it says that there was once a very lovely man who was hard at work on his farm, and he was going about his field when he looked up and saw a staggeringly beautiful woman. He fell in love with her immediately and he asked her to marry him. 
explaining to her how he wanted to take care of her, and to his great joy, she agreed. They married and they lived very happily together for many years. To his great joy, one day his wife told him that she was pregnant. On the day that the baby was born, he was overjoyed and he took great care of his wife. And on the day, he also found a puppy. And he had hopes that the child and the puppy would grow up together and be good companions for one another. But as the puppy grew, it became more and more hostile towards his wife for no apparent reason. Months went by and one day the pup turned into a dog and when it was a dog, it tore into the lady's arm. This left her terrified and in a shaking fit, she changed from a woman into a fox with nine tails. She looked up surprised and bewildered and realised what she had done and she bolted out of their house away from the dog. Days and weeks and months went by and she didn't return. Years went by and she still failed to return and the man was heartbroken because he loved his wife and he did not care that she was a fox spirit. She had never drained his energy, only the energy of others. Aww. Yeah, <laughs> I really like that story. So I think if you start dating a nine tails and they genuinely like you, then it's fine. Like <laughs> You can still form a nice relationship with them. Would you ever date any kind of energy vampire, Leslie? Only if they were like a hot redhead. No, I don't really like redheads, to be honest. So probably not, no. Because I like to bounce off of people's energy. I don't like to be fed off of. Well, I mean, I'd like to agree with you. But again, I feel like all three descriptions I'm on board with. I wouldn't want to date a Cambium. Definitely not. They sound absolutely horrendous. But the rest of your kind of vampy creatures, I feel like I'm on board with. I'm, I'm just looking up that um, story again from Love, Death and Robots. Because I really want to remember what it was about. Because I think it really ties into the Katsumi thing. So uh, they're calling it a Chinese fox spirit so mm -hmm. it's called a fox spirit known in chinese as huli jing the huli jing also appears in korean vietnamese and japanese mythology and is often depicted with nine tails there you go you should watch this mark i think you'll love it i think you will watch the it netflix incarnation looks pretty fierce but um as zu ting christine explained in our roundup of Chinese ghosts and ghouls, fox spirits, and the related who guy or Hu San can be friendly. I'm just trying to get to the actual story. Right, so the short story in the Netflix show was called Good Hunting, which expired Netflix's animated episode of the same name. Right, where's the bloody story? It doesn't tell you anything about it. Right, what is it called? Good Hunting, I'll right, look it up. It's called Good Hunting. Well, then maybe, could that be my homework for next week? So I'll, I'll watch it and we can maybe... Have a chat about it next week. Yeah, we'll both before watch we go it. Into our next mythical creature. I think we should both watch it again and then discuss that at the start of the next podcast. So, speaking of the next podcast, what is our next topic going to be? So, I was thinking, as we and everyone else in the world are trapped in the house just now, it might be interesting to look at spirits that are trapped in houses. So I don't think we want to give too much more away than that because I don't think we're going to look at any specific house spirits. But yeah, that, that's going to be our focus for next week. We're going to look at spirits that become attached to your house and can't leave, much like we're all currently attached to our houses and also can't leave. So we're going to scare the shit out of people who are in self-isolation by talking about house spirits that you can't escape from. Yep, that's the plan. Excellent. So in um, <laughs> a final point, final thought, if you 
could choose any an inanimate object to be seduced by an energy vampire, or which one would it be? Ooh. I don't know why it's the first thing that popped into my head, but one of those uh, Perspex umbrellas with black trim. Oh, okay, why? <laughs> I don't know, I always think they just look kind of sexy. <laughs> so if I was to be seduced by an inanimate object, it would be a Perspex umbrella. Um, what about you? Yeah, for me, probably probably like a, a really sleek, sexy sort of coffee table. <laughs> made, of, made of like a... Like, a, like with carbs, like smooth uh, wood, like a pine or a, like a dark oak, something like that, that I could drape myself over or under. <laughs> Not a glass topped one, though. Not no, that. I wasn't thinking of a glass topped one. <laughs> but yeah, or a, like a really nice um, soft sheepskin rug. I love blankets. So probably yeah, I do a like being cozy. For me, it's all about texture and, and, and sensuality and touch. So it'd have to be something that I would enjoy touching as an inanimate object. So nothing like the Eiffel Tower or anything massive like that. But an umbrella is quite a sexy looking object, the one that you're describing. So I can understand where you're coming from there. Yeah. So yeah, so that's our episode done of Psychic Vampires. Hopefully it didn't drain the life out of you talking about them. <laughs> and um, we'll, uh, we'll meet up next week and we'll talk about house spirits. Yep, thank you for listening. We will scare you with what's trapped in your house next time. And also yeah. shout out to Yaz. Oh yeah, we didn't shout out to Yaz at the start. Hi Yaz, big love. Okay, bye. Bye. Crystal Mess. Crystal Mess.